Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here for Crossover Talk, Buckeye Talk, and Wolverine Confidential. I'm Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird of Cleveland.com and Aaron McMahon of MLive. So we have a bunch of you know categories and such. We're going to run through both sides of this game, both sides of the rivalry. We're going to have the experts talk about their teams because, I, I mean, like Aaron, you're covering a team. You don't know all the stuff about Ohio State. Stephen and Nathan, no true knowledge of Michigan. So we're going to have all expert talk except for this part where I'm talking. That's just made up garbage. All right. Let's start with this. We're going to dive into a lot of football because, you know, in this week we can get do a lot of intangible stuff and all that's important. But we want to get to the football. But I want to talk about stakes, first of all. Jim Harbaugh has talked all week about how this is a playoff game. It really is. Nathan, okay, so we know it's the rivalry. We know it's the game. We know it's the biggest game on the schedule. We know it's all that matters. We know all that stuff. But how would you describe more precisely the stakes for Ohio state in this game, who they are, what they've been so far and where they're trying to get and what this, how this game fits into that. Well, this is a team that obviously has been chasing this status that they've now achieved all season in a lot of ways coming out of the gate, obviously showing some vulnerabilities and taking a loss early. And then it's about whether or not this team can get back to where the last couple of teams have been and sort of keeping this program on that that playoff tier, that like rare air that they've been existing in. So now it's just a matter of of, of finishing that drive. They've, they've put themselves in this position, you know, climbing all the way up to being two in the rankings in the latest rankings and people already sort of looking ahead at the AA Georgia, Ohio State game is being sort of the natural culmination of this season, uh, the, the whole college football season in some ways. And the rivalry obviously always bakes in a lot of stakes, but now it's about whether this team achieves what its potential was or not. And this is the game that's standing in the way. Aaron, again, Jim Harbaugh using the phrase playoff game a lot this week. How would you describe the stakes for Michigan here? Yeah, just that. I mean, this is a program that right now this season has exceeded expectations. I mean, remember before the season even started, I think their preseason win total was seven and a half. So I think eight wins would have been a success this year. But if you tell that to Michigan fans, they don't want to hear it. I mean, Harbaugh has been here. You know, he's been expected to win championships. He hasn't done it. And now here we here we find Michigan back in a familiar position. I mean, they've been here before. This isn't the first time they've you know, gone into this game with the ability to get to Indianapolis and potentially more. So, I mean, everything is on the line here, not, not only from a getting to Indianapolis standpoint, but, you know, Harbaugh's legacy is still on the line here. I mean, he's, he's been defined so far by his inability to beat Ohio State 
uh, his losing record against Michigan State and just his inability to win the big games. And this is just another one, another instance of, of that. Now, some of that can be erased, I think, with this win on Saturday. You know, if Michigan comes out and, and pulls the upset and finally gets to Indianapolis, I, I think you'll see some of those doubters or critics of Jim Harbaugh start to quiet. But right now, as, as we've seen year in and year out, they haven't been able to do it. So I, I think there's a ton on the line, not only for Michigan, but for Jim Harbaugh. It is interesting to me, just uh, I'm intrigued. You know, stuff happens, but this is on a cycle of big games. There are a lot of anniversaries right now. Like five years ago is the 2016 overtime game. 10 years ago is the last time Michigan won. 15 years ago is the one versus two 2006 game. 20 years ago is Jim Tressel's first game in the series that sort of redefined that. 25 years ago is the 96 game, which was, again, one of those times where Michigan jumped up and ruined what might have been a national championship season for Ohio State. 35 years ago is Jim Harbaugh's guarantee game. So we might be on track for, you know, a game that really sometimes, I mean, the game's the game, but there are games that enter the fabric of the rivalry a little bit more. We Maybe we're on the cycle of having one of those, but let's dive, dive into the football here. What's the plan? What's the offensive plan? Aaron, for how you think Michigan is going to come out and try to attack. I know Jim Harbaugh has talked about time of possession. We know how Michigan runs the ball. What will it look like Saturday? Well, I mean, they're going to have to play keep away from Ohio State. They're going to have to keep the football away from the Buckeyes. And I think that goes back to their MO. They they have their identity all season long, running the football and holding on to the football, having long, sustained drives, dominating time of possession, and kind of controlling the clock. Because by and large, this season, they've done that. Um, you know, they did that against Wisconsin. They did it largely against Penn State. It's one of the reasons why they are where they are at this point. They have a better run game than they have, I think, in years past. Their offensive line is more experienced, and they've leaned on that. You know, we saw that early on with with Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. That's kind of gone, you know, more to where as the season has gone on, it's been more Hassan. But they're going to have to run the ball effectively, move the chains, and control the ball because I, I think they realize they don't want. And we've, I mean, we've seen this all season long. Opponents do not want to give Ohio State the football because while Michigan State's defense, I think, is improved and more equipped to handle the Buckeyes. I don't know if they can necessarily keep up. So the demo is pretty simple. You know, they have to move the chains and keep the football and, and end up scoring. For a while earlier this year, Michigan struggled to convert red zone drives into touchdowns. They've gotten better over the last couple of weeks, but they're going to have to be certainly be, be efficient in that area too. Stephen, when you hear that Michigan plan, does that sound like something that the Ohio State defense will have trouble with, or is it something that the Ohio State defense can maybe handle in trying to stop that? Yeah, I don't know if they have to come out and do what has completely do what Haskell Garrett did against Michigan State and just from the first snap, just be in the backfield and let Kenneth Walker know they're going to be there. But I do think I think the magic number is 14. I think this defense needs to allow this offense to get up 14 points because then you're putting Michigan in a bind a little bit. Now they have to throw it. I understand that Cade McNamara has been a little bit more efficient the last couple of weeks and in that Michigan State game. He showed some things. But if you take away Michigan's bread and butter, which is their running game, not because you're shutting it down and, you know, Blake Horam and Hassan Haskins can't run on you, but because they literally are not allowed to run the ball because now you have to throw it to play keep up. Then you put Michigan in a situation where they're doing simple they don't want to do and this Ohio State defensive line can get after the quarterback a little bit so that's how I look at it this Ohio State defense just needs to get uh, just get two stops in a row just get two stops in a row where now Ohio State's offense has scored and let's see what happens Ohio State has the ball we know they have three of the best receivers in the country Nathan how do you think Ohio State's going to go about attacking this Michigan defense 
You know, I don't think this Ohio State offense right now feels like it has to change much about itself and much about its attack. I think it's it's supremely confident in what it does, and I think it's set itself up over the course of this season to give opponents so many things to worry about legitimately that it it, it takes a lot of leverage into any any matchup. Um, we'll see how that plays out maybe down the line if they get that far where they play, uh, obviously, potentially elite defenses. But I am intrigued by what happens if, you know, the, the Michigan State thing, that isn't going to happen 10 out of 10 times when they play Michigan State. Like, they're better than Michigan State. They're going to beat Michigan State maybe even comfortably, but it's not going to be 49 to nothing every time. Some of that was things started rolling downhill and the Spartans got kind of buried by the avalanche. So what does happen when Michigan, if Michigan can interrupt some drives, it was just a couple weeks ago that we saw a team doing this. If Ohio State has any trouble, you know, staying on schedule, does that give Michigan an opening to to slow things up? I, I still think, though, this is still going to be what we've seen from Ohio State all year, which is spread the ball around this offense, which they're doing more equitably than they have at any point this year, as far as this receiving core. And once teams are, you know, overcompensating for that kind of attacking the soft underbelly with what Trevin Henderson is and can be. So that, I mean, the idea of you throw it to Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And then if you're Worried about that. Now here comes freshman Trevion Henderson. How does the Michigan defense deal with that, Aaron? Great pass rushers, right? And I, you know, they have dudes at every level of the defense. Can they deal with it? That's the question. And, and this isn't the first time Michigan's had dudes at every level of the defense and just gotten shellacked. Um, so I think the key for Michigan on Saturday is sustaining, you know, consistent pressure on C.J. Stroud, forcing him to get rid of the ball quickly and, and forcing him to make mistakes. Um, because this Michigan secondary, while it is a little bit more experienced than it has been in years past, it still has its issues. They have Daxon Hill at safety, who I think is by far their best secondary guy. They're probably going to you know, have him either bracket in coverage or put him you know, quick on, on one of the Ohio State receivers. But Mi- Michigan is going to have to force some mistakes from Stroud, force him to get rid of the football quickly. And and hopefully Michigan creates some turnovers over that because I don't really see this Michigan secondary stopping Ohio State receivers. They're going to get they're going to probably get some big explosive plays. I will say the one thing Michigan's defense has done a very good job of this year that we haven't seen in years past is keeping the football in front of them. There haven't been a ton of those explosive plays that Ohio State's hit on Michigan in years past. So that that's one good thing I think the new defensive coordinator Mike McDonald has done. And then red zone defense. I, I have no doubt that Ohio State is going to move the football on Saturday, but Michigan is going to have to force them into some field goals once they get into the red zone. Uh, and just limit the number of points on the board. Because if this this does get a new shootout where where you know, Ohio State's able to move the football and score easily, it's not a game Michigan wants to get into, and it's quite, quite frankly not one they're equipped to win in. I want to step back from the nitty-gritty for a second and get back to a little bit of context. It just is a little bit odd that these two fan bases did not witness each other in person last year. So you watch from afar. Michigan had a rough year. Ohio State went to the national championship game but you didn't get your own eyeballs on it. Nathan, when we think about this Ohio State team, what's the context of how good this Ohio State team is to compare to to recent Ohio State teams, right? Ohio State has made the playoff in four of the seven years in the playoff era, the last two in a row. How good are these Buckeyes in comparison to themselves? Obviously, this defense is not what the 2019 defense was. Few defenses are. That was a defense that was, you know, loaded with, you know, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, other NFL ready guys. 
So this defense does not come in and shut teams down and take over games the way that that one could. The problem for opponents is this offense is better than those last two offenses were, which is kind of crazy to think about. I think from the outside, sometimes when you look at, you know, Justin Fields being a Heisman trophy finalist in 2019 and JK Dobbins on that team and some future NFL guys in the receiving core and then everything they did last year. And again, with Justin Fields, a first round draft pick. And now you've got a, a redshirt freshman quarterback and a true freshman running back and some holes that they had. They remade the offensive line and somehow what the end result was something even better than what they were dealing with before. And whatever deficiencies they have elsewhere, with the defense, this offense makes up for so many other potential mistakes or potential issues that that a, an opponent can create. Because when the scoring is this relentless, and like we said, it hasn't been this way in every single game, and not even every single game of the second half of the season. But when this offense does what it did the last two weeks, the pressure that it puts on an opponent, not just its defense, but its offense, is significant. And it, it makes teams have to kind of play perfect and then hope that perfect is good enough. I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but when the offense does with this stuff, when it scores every single time, what are you going to do? Steven, what do you, what do you have to add to that? We know how the Ohio state offense in, in feels like half its games has just had those first halves where they feel like they're scoring a touchdown every drive. Yeah. I think the only offense you can probably compare this to is 2018. But the thing that takes this one over the top is they can run the ball. JK just for whatever reason had a bad year and Mike Weber wasn't, you know, Mike Weber wasn't that good. Let's be frank about it. So because they couldn't run the ball, it was just kind of the Dwayne Haskins show. And so uh, Michigan obviously just played man that entire game, which threw that off. But if you could, you know, slow that down a little bit and make them one dimensional, then oh, that offense went away. You can't do that here because if you play, if you just put two men back and you just say, Hey, you have to run the ball on us. Okay. Travion Henderson's here to play then. And if you don't do that, if you try to stack the box and take him away, then you've got these receivers to deal with. So it's just too many options on the board. And now that this defense is coming along, and has shown that they can be dominant at times. They're not an elite level defense, but they're a good enough defense that they can string together stops when necessary and add to the momentum that this offense already has. Aaron, we know Jim Harbaugh is 0-5 against Ohio State, but 2018, Michigan was favored going into that game. 2016, that's a 50-50 game. That's a coin flip. You play that 10 times, Michigan's going to win five, went to overtime. What's the context of how this Michigan team compares to some recent Michigan teams? This Michigan offense, as it is right now, I think is the perfect Jim Harbaugh offense. He always likes to talk about being balanced and rushing for 200 yards and throwing for 200 yards. And this is generally, I, I think, what what they want. You know, they get the tight ends involved. Um, and I think for the first time in, in several years, maybe during Jim Harbaugh's entire tenure, I, I think they believe they have a couple of like legit dogs at running back. They got guys who can get yards after carry, pick up a first down when they need to. And that just really hasn't been the case in years past. Michigan's had fine running backs. They've had guys who have rushed for a thousand yards plus, but not guys who can really carry the, put the offense on their back and, and win games because of them. And, th- and that's been the difference this year. They've leaned on the running game. As I mentioned earlier, it's been a big reason for why they've won, you know, especially earlier in the year. So I think that dimension itself has opened things up. Now, Cade McNamara was criticized earlier this year for his just inability to hit deep balls and Michigan's unwillingness to throw the ball. Um, but I think Michigan leaning on its run game all season long is, has opened things up for the passing game. And I think for the first time in a while, they, they truly believe they have a balanced offense uh, and something where they, they can win either way. The, the one issue, I think, with the Michigan offense that hasn't really 
blossomed yet is just the, the, the inconsistency at receiver. They have a lot of guys there, but no one has really stepped up. They've had one guy step up one game and another guy step up another game. So from offensive perspective, it's certainly not Jim Harbaugh's best, but I think ideally it's what he wants to run. And they've got better as the season has gone on, which I think is most important. Now, defensively, that's interesting because the previous few matchups between Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan's defense was almost always ranked in, you know, top five, top 10 statistically. They're, you know, they were able to shut, you know, inferior teams down. But the problem was when they would go up against high-powered offenses like in Ohio State or like uh, Wisconsin or whatever the case may be, that they always struggled. This year, it's been a little different. You know, they've, they're a little bit more diverse defensively a little less man coverage, not afraid to play zone. And as I mentioned, that they're keeping the ball in front of them. So I think they're better equipped to handle an offense the caliber of Ohio State. The problem is they haven't faced an offense the caliber of Ohio State, nor anything close to it this season. So I'm really curious to see how they handle it. I, I want to say that they're going to do a better job uh, just containing them. But again, it's tough to say when you haven't really gone against you know the type of receivers Ohio State has. Let's go back to the Michigan offense then, Aaron. Three guys on this Michigan offense that you would say are the keys to the game for the Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you got to start with Kay McNamara. He's been a good game manager all season long. He hasn't done anything fantastic. He hasn't thrown for 400 yards. He's, he's not going to light the world on fire. But I think what Jim Harbaugh really likes about him is he manages the offense. They move the football just fine, and he doesn't really make mistakes. Uh, he's good at reading defenses. Um, you know, when he does make a, you know, make a mistake, it, it's not crushing. He's not going to turn the ball over. And I, I think that's what they really like about him. And it's one of the reasons why they haven't gone to J.J. McCarthy just yet at quarterback. I, I think the fan base has been clamoring for that. But McNamara has played well enough and understands the offense well enough to where they, they feel comfortable with him. So I think he's going to have to be, again, the type of player we've seen all season long, not make mistakes, make the right plays. And if he does that, I think it's going to put Michigan in a position to win. Uh, again, Hassan Haskins is going to be key to if Michigan is going to win the game on Saturday, it's because he's going to top 100 yards. He's going to get some big runs, yards after contact, and break a, a big run or two. Uh, he did that against Penn State a couple of weeks ago. He's shown a knack for doing that all season long. He's going to be a key piece too. And then, you know, a third guy, you know, Blake Corum is expected to play on Saturday. I don't expect him to be 100%. He hasn't played the last couple of weeks. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. But the, the one thing about him is he, he played very poorly against Michigan in the loss to Michigan State. He dropped a, a probably a would-be touchdown pass. Uh, he fumbled the football. They really need him to come up and, and make a couple big plays. I'm not expecting him to have a big game on the ground. He's probably not going to be able to do it with, this, with his ankle, but he needs to give them something. And if he can, whether it's in the passing game or, uh, again, a big run or something to that effect, you know, I, I think Michigan's they're going to have a shot. Let's think about that matchup then, Nathan. Ohio State's defense three guys that'll make a difference. I mean, the one that jumps out to me immediately, uh, this is a, a, maybe an odd one if, if from the Ohio State fan base side of things, but we don't know if Cody Simon is going to play. I think Tommy Eichenberg could play a huge role in this game. He's a guy that's been coming on a little bit lately. He played more and played better last week against Michigan State and is maybe suited to this matchup. Linebacker for the Michigan listeners. Yeah, sorry, Mike Linebacker, who is maybe more suited for a team that is a, a run-heavy opponent. I think uh, someone like Bryson Shaw is also going to be important in this game because I think Michigan runs the ball well enough that there's going to be some point where the free safety is going to have to make an important tackle to stop what, what Aaron's talking about with, with someone like Haskins being able to get beyond the second level and do a lot of damage. And there's going to be a lot of responsibility on, on someone like Shaw to prevent that from happening. And then I'm going to say uh, up front, I guess I'll go with Haskell Garrett 
We saw him making a presence last week against Michigan State, really came out and set the tone on the first play of the game, defensive tackle. And they, they rotate a lot of guys through the nose. There's going to be a handful of guys that, that play there. But Garrett is the leader of that group and is healthier now than he was a few weeks ago. And I think his presence is going to be important, again, against a team that wants to come out and establish the run and sort of lay that as a foundation. Steven, Ohio State offense, same things. Three offensive Buckeyes that will make a difference. Yeah, I mean, one and two have to be the tackles, Nicholas petit Fair and Dewan Jones. And maybe you can even throw there in there whenever they kick him outside for time being. But shutting down Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo is your priority number one, two, and three. Because if C.J. Stroud is just back there, as he said on Saturday, if he's just back there chilling and is able to just pick apart this Michigan defense, well, then that's it's game over. If your quarterback, if a young quarterback is back there comfortable with the weapons he has, then it really doesn't matter how good the coverage is because at some point somebody's going to get open and he's going to hit them on the mark. We've seen that time and time again. So it starts with those two and neutralizing, you know, those two pass rushers. And then there's Travion Henderson, because that that's added to this. It, I'm, I have faith in CJ Stroud. I have faith in Travion Henderson as well, but it seems like that's where that's like the final piece with this offense is when you can have balance, when you're not really sure what's going to come at you. There's at this point in the season, we're seeing a lot of stuff from Ryan today where you're seeing pre-stat motion or they're faking jet sweeps. They're faking handoffs to Garrett Wilson. They're faking handoffs to Travion Henderson. And all of a sudden Chris Olave is open downfield. That all starts with establishing the passing game and the, stat, the short game passing game, establishing Garrett Wilson, maybe as a runner, but more importantly, establishing Javion Henderson. I don't think he has to have 20 carries in this game, but if he has 14 carries and 114 yards, I mean, that means he was a threat all game and consistently putting pressure on this, on this Michigan front seven. You briefly mentioned Thayer there. That's Thayer Munford, the left guard who played tackle last year. They at times have moved him to tackle and move guys around, but they haven't done it like the last two weeks. And they really only did that in two games. And I actually think they can't do that in this game. I think it messes with their offensive line when they move guys around just because they have the ability to do it at times they've had to do it. Like Dewan Jones wasn't feeling well, but I think if Ohio state gets away from Nicholas Petit Frere's a left tackle and Dewan Jones is the right tackle, any snap where that's not the case, I think is an edge for Michigan. So uh, I know they like to maybe messing around with that flexibility. I don't think this is a time to do that. So I do think that is a good matchup on those edges. So Aaron, Michigan defense, who are the three guys for the Wolverines? Yeah, the first two are easy. I mean, they're up at the line. You guys have mentioned them. You know, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. I mean, they have been workhorses all season long. They've they've disrupted opposing offenses. They've gotten the quarterback with relative ease. And that has to be the case on Saturday for Michigan to be successful. You know, Hutchinson, they've kind of altered the way they utilized him. Obviously, traditionally, they would usually, usually put him on the you know, hand on the ground. Against the opposing offensive line this year, they're doing some different stuff. And they're, they're, he's all, he's sometimes he's standing up, sometimes he's down. Uh, so they're, they're really trying to mess with opposing offenses and trying to disguise stuff to where they can get him free and get him to the quarterback. And it really hasn't been an issue all season long, which uh, it's kind of surprised me. Opposing teams haven't been able to game plan for him. And I think that's a big reason why he, for why he's been successful. And on the, uh, the other side, I think because Aiden Hutchinson had such a big year, it's benefited David Ajabo. You know, Ajabo is more of a, you know, outside linebacker, edge rusher type guy, more traditional in that sense. He reminds me a lot of Josh Uche a couple of years ago. Ohio State fans might be familiar with him. He ended up, he was more of a, Uche was more of a package guy under Don Brown's system. They would bring him in basically strictly to blitz the quarterback. And, and that's kind of a similar thing with a job. Well, you know what you're going to get from him. Most of his production is strictly sacks or tackles for loss. 
So Ajabo's been given more of a role this year. His responsibility has increased as the season has gone on. I expect to see him on the field a lot Saturday. Third name I'll give you is Daxton Hill. Michigan is going to need a playmaker in the secondary to do something, whether it's deflect some passes, intercept a pass, some, something that affects you, you know, switch the field, give Michigan extra possessions. And if there's one guy to do it, it's going to be him. I mean, he's by far their best, their best secondary player. He's projected to be a potential first round pick in the draft. He's a guy again, who like Hutchinson, they have utilized in different, different ways this year. Um, they haven't been afraid to put him at the line of scrimmage and blitz the quarterback. They haven't been able to, they haven't been afraid of putting him at the line of scrimmage and dropping him back and pass coverage. Traditionally, he's been more in that free safety role. This year, he's been he's just been all over the place, more of a rover, rover type. So again, you know, they're they're going to have to disrupt what Ohio State is going to do, and if they don't do it, you know, Ohio State's going to have a I think a field day. All right, let's talk under the radar. This is a game, you know, it's a rivalry game. Sometimes guys make their names in a game like this. Nathan, who's an under the radar Buckeye who has a chance to pop on Saturday? I guess maybe I should have saved this one for the, because I think Tommy Eichenberg is probably a good name to throw in here just because he's a guy that hasn't even been starting for Ohio state the last several weeks. And again, we don't even know like Cody Simon is their starter at Mike linebacker. He got hurt early in the last game, but Eichenberg has been playing more snaps the last couple of weeks and we've been seeing him play well again. And I just think this is a matchup that suits him really well. So he's the first guy that that jumps to mind for me. If I can mention one other guy on defense, I would also say kind of in the same breath, um, Craig Young, who is a guy that has really bounced all around this defense, has never had what um, a starting role all year has been. You know, he was a bullet for a while, so working with the safeties. His background is at linebacker, and in this last game, they had him at cover safety, which is a completely new position for him. But it was begin because of what that Michigan State matchup provided them and presented them. So I think both of those guys, very good chance. Both of them are starting on Saturday and both are potentially instrumental in slowing down what Michigan does. Steven, you got a Buckeye to add to that conversation. Yeah. Craig Young was definitely on my list in the name of there's been a freshman from Ohio state's roster the last two times they've played who have just gone crazy in this game. I don't think it's going to be in the wide receiver room this year because those three aren't coming off the field unless something happens to them. So JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer have been, you know, up and down with the snaps this year, just depending on what they need, what the game looks like. And as guys have gotten healthy, I am wondering if this is the game where one of them, I'm not saying they're going to play 30 snaps, but if they played 15 to 17 to 20 snaps in this game, if one of them just like has that moment where it starts to show what they're going to look like next year, I'll bank Jack Sawyer just because he's the better pass rusher right now. Maybe he gets two sacks or something like that in this game. And it's like, hello, here's the guy that we've been kind of talking about all year that this is, this guy's coming. He's the next, you know, top 10 Ohio state draft pick on the defensive line. And this is the game where he kind of has his jumping off point. Two five-star recruits in the freshman class who, who back up, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, they have roles. They do have roles. Mm-hmm. And so they will be on the field and they're not afraid to have them in there on, you know, important downs in a game that matters. Aaron, who's a Wolverine under the radar. I'll give you two, both on the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with true freshman receiver, Andrew Anthony, former three-star recruit, kind of flew under the radar. He's from the state of Michigan, originally committed to Michigan State, actually flipped to Michigan at the last minute from East Lansing, actually. He has breakout game at Michigan State a few weeks ago. Six catches, 155 yards, two touchdowns. And of, of all the Michigan receivers that have really shown me something this year, 
it's been him. He, he's made plays. He's not afraid to go up and win those 50-50 balls, make those big catches. He had one uh, on Saturday against Maryland. He has shown to be a big, big play guy. Now, he hasn't made a ton of them, but the ones he has made have been huge. So don't be surprised if Michigan looks to him early on offensively uh, for, for a big play. Secondly, again, staying on the opposite side of the ball, running back Donovan Edwards, another true freshman, another state of Michigan guy. Um, he, up until Saturday against Maryland, he hadn't done much. In fact, he, he only like a handful of carries, um, wasn't used much primarily because obviously Hassan Haskins and Blake Corman have been such a big deal for Michigan's run game. Um, but they really found a knack for utilizing him in the passing game. He had 10 catches, 170 yards, one touchdown on Saturday against Maryland. He was Michigan's leading receiver by far. His confidence is slowly starting to build. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Michigan try to utilize him in the backfield. He kind of filled that role last week that, that Blake Corm had. But I truly think now Michigan will find a way to get all three of those running backs on the field at different times and in different situations. And Edwards, I think, gives them another dimension to passing the game, which, as I mentioned at the beginning of this thing, they haven't really been able to figure out. So if they can get him the ball you and utilize, lean on his speed, I think it gives Michigan another weapon to, to get in the end zone. All right, so that's uh, we wanted to dive in on the football. Before we get out of here, Aaron, just like the intangible factor, 15 of 16 for Ohio State, Harbaugh hasn't beaten Ohio State yet. Does that matter? Does that have any impact on Michigan's chances either way of winning on Saturday? That it's great motivation or that it somehow is a burden on them? Or is it just about football and that's not that big a deal? I think it's all the above. You know, if you ask the Michigan players or Harbaugh, they're, they're going to say, well, it doesn't really matter that this team wasn't part of that, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think when you don't win in a rivalry game, I do think that matters. That it's a, it, There's a cumulative thing there. Like, if you, you need to learn to win these games. I don't think you just win these games to win them. You have to, it, it, it's a thing. It's a mode. You know, you have to go in mentally prepared, thinking, confident, like you can win this one. And when you don't do that, I, I think there's something there. At the, but at the end of the day, obviously, it's going to be a talent thing. Michigan, I, I clearly, I don't think has the same talent as Ohio State. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't think they can win this game. I, I think they're going to have to have put together a perfect game. They can't make mistakes. You're going to have to force some uncharacteristic mistakes from Ohio State. But, you know, this, I, I don't know what to make of this game. You know, I, I think Ohio State is going to win it. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if it went any other way either. So this, this is going to be a fascinating matchup Saturday. This And I'll, I'll be completely honest, I didn't expect this to be, be the case at all. You know, coming into this year, I had like three or four games where I'd, I'd written Michigan off. You know, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State for sure. And they, they showed me something at, at Penn State and Wisconsin. They showed a different vibe about them that they can go into an opposing place where they hadn't won in a long time in both those cases, Penn State and, and Wisconsin. They hadn't won in several years. Previous meetings, they had gotten shellacked, just like uh, you know with, with Ohio State. They went in there, and it was there was just a different... I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. They just they felt confident. It looked like a confident football team. So I expect that Saturday in Ann Arbor. I expect them to come out ready to go. I, it's just going to be a question whether they can match up talent-wise with, with Ohio State's speed on the offensive side of the ball. I do think sometimes home field advantage in games like this can be overrated because everyone's going to be jacked up on both sides of the ball. No matter what, you can spin it however you want to. However, Stephen, C.J. Stroud's road games in his career so far, Minnesota, Rutgers, Indiana, Nebraska. He's never really played a good team on the road, and he's never played a defensive line as complete as Michigan's defensive line. Is that anything? Not that I'm saying C.J. Stroud's going to fold and collapse, but I think there is a combination of 
legitimate football stuff with the Michigan defense and some intangible situational stuff that he has not yet faced to this point. I think it needs to be said that he hasn't done it yet, but I do feel like to some extent the experiences that he's had on the road help him like the having to play a Thursday night season opener at Minnesota in the rain. And as he admitted after the game that he was a little nervous in the first half and he needed to calm down a little bit. I think the way the Nebraska game went where it wasn't perfect and they looked a little off all day and they kind of had to pull that one out. That helps him there. So no, he hasn't from a talent standpoint, he hasn't faced anybody that Michigan's going to bring to the table, but I do think the environment itself even though this is times 10, he's kind of seen before to an extent. And so he can draw on some of those experiences to help him today. But also, I mean, he's got the best unit of the four units here. So I think there's some confidence there. So I think he'll be fine. You see anything in just in, in the cracks of this game, Nathan, just like a thing, something here or there that we haven't talked about yet that can actually factor into what's going on here. Or, I mean, I, I do think, I think this game is pretty on the surface in a lot of ways. It's like, it's a good Michigan team. Jim Harbaugh has never beaten Ohio state. This Ohio state offense is really good. Michigan has some really good defensive players. Mike McDonald's influence as a defensive coordinator, I think is a fairly major factor compared to what happened with the Don Brown defenses the last couple of years. Anything we're not thinking about Nathan. I think we have sometimes forgotten as this Ohio state defense has improved over the course of the year, just how many of these guys are stepping into a new experience on Saturday. It's it's not just CJ Stroud. You've got, you know, potentially like the whole secondary, if, if seven banks can't play, especially, but even seven banks wasn't a, a big part of this defense in 2019. The last time they played a game of this regular season game of this caliber. And, you know, the, the steel chambers wasn't even a linebacker not that long ago for the, the guy who's going to be starting at will linebacker for Michigan fans who aren't, um, who aren't familiar and is, is emerged as probably a state's best linebacker. So, that does make me wonder how those guys are going to react in that scenario, but they've been reacting better as the season's gone along in bigger situations. And again, it's just, if the, if the house state offense, it keeps on this, this path that it's been on the, the sort of just machine that's been rolling these last couple of weeks, then it, it obscures all of that stuff. So th- that's maybe the first thing, like, is there something about this environment or just Michigan rising to the occasion that finally interrupts, the trajectory that Ohio State's offense has been on and makes this a game. And 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 what, as Aaron was saying earlier, you know, can, can Michigan then on its side of the ball keep the ball away from Ohio State? If, you know, one mistake sometimes can be lethal in these matchups because, again, if Ohio State's just firing on, on this many cylinders at once. All right. For both audiences, Ohio State fans, Michigan fans, we hope this crossover podcast from Cleveland.com and MLive.com helped you guys get ready for the game. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving and uh, make sure you are reading mlive.com and make sure you are reading cleveland.com after the game for all the coverage about the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. For now, for Aaron, for Stephen, for Nathan, I'm Doug. Thanks to you guys for listening.